Well, good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship Church, and I have a good friend with me here today. Alan, would you introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, I'm uh, Alan Bailey, and I've been a member of Centerpoint, uh, I guess, pretty much since the very beginning. I've had the uh, pleasure of serving as an elder and as connect group leader for most of that period of time. And uh, Alan, you've been kind of on an interesting spiritual journey. It relates to what we're talking about today. Tell everybody what the Lord kind of showed you at the beginning of the year and what's been happening. Well, early on in the year, my accountability partner and I began to pray for each other that God would show us areas in our lives that we could change uh, in order that we would be living holier lives. And, um, and he was gracious enough in my life to be able to do that. What did he show you? Well, I actually happened to be um, in my quiet time one, day, uh, one morning, and I ran across a verse in um, Deuteronomy that pointed out a sin to me in my life that I had been struggling with nearly my entire life, uh, but never had been able to identify it uh, or come to grips with it. And that was? It was the sin of gluttony. Uh, Unfortunately, it's a sin that we seem to accept within the church. Um, We don't talk much about it, but it was something that I had struggled with for most of my life. And then you surrendered to the Lord, and what happened? Well, once I was able to recognize that sin, admit it in my life, I was able to repent of it and actually call on the, uh, the power of the Holy Ghost to, to make changes in my life to overcome that. Uh, I admitted it to my accountability partner. I admitted it to um, my connect group. I guess now I've admitted it to the entire church, so <laughs> yeah. this, this yeah. is likely to change my eating out experience in the community. <laughs> yeah. you, you now have the right to um, intervene if you see me with that triple cheeseburger. There so. you go. But tell everybody how it's gone. Well, uh, since uh, I guess about March is when I started on that, uh, uh, my actual journey to overcome this sin, I've lost about 55 pounds. I don't believe that I'm anywhere near where I need to be, but I do feel the power and the presence of God in my life working and keeping me accountable to my accountability partner, uh, to my connect group, and to uh, other people that know about this. And, um, and I think it's a power that's available to everybody. I probably have the weakest will of anybody in the church, uh, and if he's able to do this in my life, I believe he's able to do this in anybody's life for whatever sin or struggle they're dealing with. So today we're going to talk about overcoming sinful habits and addictions. And Alan, we, like Alan said, we believe the power of God is available for everybody. You're going to hear about that today. I got good news today if you've been struggling with something. So Alan, would you pray for me? I would. Our dear Heavenly Father, um, we just ask that as John uh, gets ready to deliver a message that you would move him out of the way and that you would speak through him. And, Father, that the Bible would be our guide in all matters of faith and practice, and that your power would descend on this room, that you would convict people that are struggling with issues, that there is power available, and that all they need to do is come to you and surrender. So, Father, we just ask all of these things in the powerful name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Can we give him a round of applause? 
Well, let me tell you, that took uh, Alan and I a talk this morning, and uh, he had shown up and been given blood. We're giving blood here at Prattville. want to welcome all those who are uh, worshiping with us via the Internet at Pike Road, Cloverdale, Wetumpka, elsewhere. Um, but he'd come in, and we had talked about this, uh, and he said, man, I wish I would have. You know, I, I, I'm so happy what God has done in my life. I said, well, why don't you tell everybody? And he said, right today? And I said, oh, yeah, right away. <laughs> why not? Hey, good news. If you and I have been struggling with sinful habits and addictions that have controlled us, I want you to hear good news this morning. I have great news for you this morning. There is power to overcome that. There's new life available through Jesus. And today we're going to walk you through some helpful steps to get that done. If you need a pen to fill in the blanks, raise your hand for your outline inside your bulletin, you'll find an outline, Overcoming Addictions and Sinful Habits. Let me just get a running start at this. Jesus came to give us new and abundant life. He didn't come to give us tired, lousy, weak life that you just kind of drudge through till one day you go to heaven when you die. Life here is going to be pretty worthless. Just make it through. Just get saved. And when you get to heaven, then there's something worth talking about. Till then, uh, it's all shot. That's not true. Jesus said the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come. They might have life and they may have it more abundantly. The devil is the thief. He wants to feed us lie after lie and false promise after false promise till we accept it and we begin to believe that we're worthless, can't change, powerless, there's no hope, just give up, give in. That's the thing that the devil would tell us. Jesus would say, I came to give you life more abundantly. Paul, when he wrote to the Ephesians, Ephesians 2, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Here we go again. The commander of the powers in the unseen world, he's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way. Please underline that. I mean, when you come to Christ, you confess your sin and say, I was living for myself. I was following the devil. I was giving in to every temptation. I'm tired of living that way. I want a brand new life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and give me new life. And that's what it means to come to Jesus. And when we do, he gives us new life. And if you know that, would you say amen? amen. Okay. Now, after we become Christians, some of us don't realize that we've developed strongholds in our lives, sinful habits and other things, and we're going to have to surrender those. So we surrender our life to Christ, or we say we do. We've surrendered the whole thing, but there's huge glaring pockets in our lives where we've never surrendered. We go, well, I, I surrendered my eternity, and I've surrendered my sin in general, but, I, but I've never gotten down to specifics here and said, hey, this is an area that's dominating me, and it's controlling me. And I'm not experiencing abundant life. I'm experiencing defeat and shame and guilt and pain. Well, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in his mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace you've been saved. He didn't save us because we were so virtuous. He saved us because we needed saving. Every one of us. Sinners, everyone. And he saved us. And we can acknowledge that. But yet somehow we're afraid to acknowledge that there are still some bad habits that we picked up along the way that we're going to have to surrender and we're going to have to put some intentional effort into giving these over to the Lord. And yet that's exactly what God wants us to do. And you'll see this as we go through this. 2 Corinthians 5.17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and new life has begun. And so when we come to Christ, we get a new life. 
And now we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and now we can go after those things in our lives that gave us so much pain and so much struggle and so much defeat. We don't have to stay chained to those anymore, but the devil would have every one of us believe that, oh, yes, you do. Jesus might forgive you for sins in general, but he'll never forgive you for that in specific. And we need the way we think changed. Well, everybody does it. It's okay. Mm -mm. We need to deal with things because otherwise they'll control us. And that brings us to point B. We must not allow anything to master us and pull us into sin away from God. I mean, that's what happens, you know. We get pulled into things and uh, all of a sudden now it's controlling us. I know Christ, and I want to live a good life, but I got this whole issue in my life, and I don't want to tell anybody. I don't even want to admit it to myself. Now, you may say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you, and even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. That was Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, Peter in 2 Peter 2, for you're a slave to whatever controls you. It's true. Paul in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you and I get behind the wheel and we've had too much to drink, we even call it driving under the influence because the alcohol is controlling us. We're not in complete control of our faculties. Our reaction time's too slow. If we get behind the wheel and we're drunk, our car turns into an unguided missile. Could kill us, could kill others. And that's why it's against the law, and it's a good law. Well, if I don't want to be under the control of some of alcohol when I'm behind the wheel, why would I want to allow myself to be under control of something else when I'm going about my daily job, when I'm relating to my family, when I'm just trying to go through life? Well, what are you talking about, John? Well, I'm talking about more than just getting drunk. This is in the note here. Some sinful habits and addictions that can control us. And I put a few down here. I could have put 40, but you'll get the idea here. I'm talking about overworking, overeating, overspending, alcohol abuse, drug abuse, gambling addictions, pornography, social media, seeking approval. I mean, I tried to just spread it all around. I mean, some of us can be addicted to getting other people's approval, that last one. We can. Never say no to anything. Allow people to stack our schedule so high we couldn't get through it in a month, what we have to do this week. And we're stressed and we're worried and we're afraid, but we'd rather deal with that than deal with anybody ever not liking us. Or the social media thing. People can spend three, four, five hours a day on social media, but not have any real friends. Pornography. Men completely chained to this. Can't escape it on their own. But they haven't confessed it to God, haven't confessed it to any other Christians because they're ashamed of it. But it's ruining their marriage. And they're filled with guilt and shame. How are you going to get out? Well, today, good news, there's a way out. Could be overeating, like Alan was talking about. Could be anything that controls us. And if I'm going to live the new life that Christ has for me, I don't need to run from this. We need to run at it. When he said, Lord, I want you to change the way I think, because what I'm doing isn't good for me. It's wrong. And that brings us to the next point. The first step, there's three steps in overcoming addictions to start on this. The three first steps would be these. The first step is to overcome addictions and sinful habits. I need to confess. I need confession. The word confession means to agree with. To agree with God is to openly acknowledge that he's right 
in his standards that what I'm doing, the things that are harmful to me, are sinful and wrong. Can I say that? I mean, with Alan, it was coming to the terms of, hey, I've accepted this for too long in my life. This isn't just, I just eat a little too much. This is sin. This is controlling me. And it's not good for me. And when he did that and he surrendered to God, it made all the difference in the world. There's a starting point for all of us on a road to recovery, on a road to getting a new start, and that's, it begins with confession. Here's David speaking about this. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord is cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. No secrets. None. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I'll confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. Now all my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray while, you're there still, while there's still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you're my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Please circle the word victory. Songs of victory. Do you know that's what Jesus wants for us? Do you know that's why God sent his son to die on the cross for us? Because he loves us so much, he wants to forgive sin. He wants us to experience victory. The devil is the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. He wants you to experience defeat, depression, and just crushing disappointment after disappointment. That's all you can hope for. It's all there is. And it's not true. It's not true, but these are lies that many of us believe. The Lord says just the opposite. The Lord says, I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you. I'll watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. And so the question is, am I going to surrender my problem to the Lord or not? And there's a note here that's important. Denial always brings painful consequences. The longer the denial, the more painful the consequences. Now, if you're wondering, well, what is denial? If you have your outline, if you just kind of go diagonal across to the bottom of the next page, the connect group question number three, here is a there are some statements and questions comparing denial and reality. Denial says, my problem's not that bad. Reality says, well, how bad does it have to get before I get help? Denial says, I can handle my own problems. I don't need others to help me. Reality says, well, if I can handle my, my problem on my own, why is it still a problem? And why haven't I dealt with it already? And all too often, we can be in complete denial. About what? About overeating, overspending, overworking. And again, on this list, we could say, well, alcohol abuse or drug abuse, that's bad. But overworking, that's good. And our culture kind of rates these things. And sometimes even rewards them. If you overwork, you might get a raise. But that doesn't make it right. We don't get our standards from our culture. We get it from God's word. And we're at unhealthy levels and things where we're just a workaholic or a shopaholic or an alcoholic or whatever-aholic. 
That needs to be dealt with. And the Lord wants us to experience songs of victory, not defeat. The prudent man understand the prudent understand where they're going, but fools deceive themselves. This isn't about denial. It's about it's not about deceiving ourselves and pretending, well, I'm no worse than anybody else. That's easy enough to do. Again, we can rank these things and say, well, other people have worse things, and that may certainly be true. The question is, are there areas in my life that are keeping me from experiencing God's love, keeping me from experiencing God's victory, keeping me from being all that God meant for me to be? And if there are, and you and I know what they are, well, then when are we going to deal with it? So the first step is confession, saying, God, I know it, you know it, the American people know it, okay? This isn't right. And I want to deal with this in my life. And if we get to that place, that's when healing can begin. So the second step, first step is confession. I've got to acknowledge there's a problem. I've got to admit that this isn't right. Secondly, the second step is overcoming, to overcome addictions to sinful habit, habits is asking God for help. That's what Alan did. He was convicted this wasn't right, and he said, well, God, you're going to have to help me. He tried to do stuff on his own before, but didn't have any victory, and he finally said, well, God, I need you to help me. Please help me. God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to them. I mean, that's Matthew 5, 3, and some translations is, God blesses the poor in spirit for the kingdom of God is given to them. Well, that's what poor in spirit means. People who recognize they have a need for God. I'm poor in spirit. I need your spirit. I need you to control me, empower me, make me brand new. Now, if I'm going to actually believe that, then there are three things that go along with this. Three beliefs that are tied together here in order for that to work. A, I must believe that God has the power to change me. That this is actually true. This isn't all fairy tale stuff and wishful thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's just what they say in church on Sunday morning, but it really doesn't work. No, I have to believe there really is power in the name of Jesus. That when I give my life to him, he can change the way I think. That I surrender my thoughts to him, he can give me victory. For God is working in you. Paul wrote this to the Philippians. He said, for God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. So if you'd circle the word desire, he gives us the desire to obey and then circle the word power and the power to do it. And when you heard Alan talking about this, God convicted him when he read the Bible. And he gave him the desire to obey. And then when he surrendered it, he gave him the power to do it. And this is what you and I must believe, that that's actually available for all of us. Not just a select few, but for any who come to Christ and surrender their sins, surrender any strongholds we have. So, point A reads, I must believe that God has the power to change me. Let's turn that into a belief statement, and I want to I want, see how this works. I mean, see how this sounds to you. If we took out the word must, I could make it a belief statement. I believe God has the power to change me. Would you say that with me, please? I believe God has the power to change me. Let's try it one more time. I believe God has the power to change me. Now that's something I can ask you to say, but what if we actually did believe that? Paul again, Ephesians 1. There are many places in the scripture where this is stated again and again. I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who believe in him. 
This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The same power that conquered the grave lives in me. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? Amen. Now let's try that again. I must believe that God has the power to change me. Say that with me. I must believe that God has the power to change me. When are we going to believe it? I mean, really believe it. And if we believe it, let's do it. I mean, if he has the power, let's surrender it. Secondly, I must believe that God loves me. That he really does want to forgive my sin. That he really does want to guide me along the best pathway for my life. We just read that in Psalm 32. That he really wants to do this. I must believe that he loves me and knows what's best for me. The Lord is merciful and gracious, Psalm 103. He's slow to get angry, full of unfailing love. He hasn't punished us for all our sins, nor does he deal with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He's removed our rebellious acts as far away from us as the east is from the west. And the Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he understands how weak we are. He knows we're only dust. But John, you don't know how weak I am. Maybe not, but God does. God, you don't, John, you don't know how many times I've tried to do this before. God does. God can't forgive me. I'm worthless. Who told you that? Unfortunately, some of you had a parent or a teacher or a bully tell you that. No one loves you. You're worthless. Well, that's not what the Lord would say to you. In fact, you know what the Lord would say to you today? I love you. I sent my son to die for you. You are worth everything to me. And if you come to me and surrender your sin to me, I'll give you the power to overcome it. And this is available to all who come, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. I believe God loves me. Would you say that with me? I believe God loves me. One more time. I believe God loves me. Do you know I prayed with someone between services here after the first service today? And uh, the person came up and said, I can't believe you talked about that today because I don't believe God loves me. This person all their life, people have been telling them and their family and other things have been telling them that they were worthless and would never amount to anything. We prayed together and we're going to meet this week and we're going to talk about that some more. Those are lies from the pit of hell. They smell like smoke. Do not believe that that you're worthless, that you can't start again, it's too late for you. Never. God loves me. God loved the world so much he sent his only son to die on that cross in my place and yours so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life, abundant life. If I'm going to be an overcomer, i got to confess my sin, and then I need to surrender it to God and say, God, would you help me? But I got to believe he has the power and I got to believe he loves me. And then the third part of this is, if I'm really going to do that, I got to surrender to every change God wants to make in my life. Jesus told his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? 
the whole idea of surrender is I'm going to surrender to whatever change God wants to make in my life. But in order for me to do that, then I have to believe those first two statements that God really loves me and he has the power to do it. That's why we put that third. That's intentional. I'm not going to surrender to people I don't trust. And I'm not going to surrender to people who don't have the power to do anything about it anyway. But I will surrender. And what if we change that last statement, statement C there, to I will surrender to every change God wants to make in my life. Would you say that with me, please? I will surrender to every change God wants to make in my life. I believe God has the power to change me. I believe he loves me unconditionally. And I will surrender to every single change he wants to make in my life. Can you imagine if we had tackled our problems that way? God, I know this is wrong, but I know you have the power. I know you love me and you've forgiven me. And if I surrender to you, you'll show me what to do and I'll get victory over this. You want me to sing songs of victory? Not dry up like and wither in the summer heat. And that's what David was talking about. I confess my sin. I ask God for help. That's step number two. Here's this third step. I need to get the help from others. We're not the first generation that's lived. We're not isolated. We can ask each other for help. I need to ask others for help. I mean, people ask me all the time, hey, can I be a Christian by myself? Sure. A lousy, weak, defeated Christian? Sure. Is that what you want? Well, no. Well, then you shouldn't try to do it on your own. I mean, if there is a devil who is the enemy, the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the commanders of the powers of the unseen world, you're going to take this on by yourself? That's smart somehow? Why would that be a good idea? It's not a good idea. We need companionship, point A. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. Someone who falls alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. I mean, you understand how church works then. You understand why we're constantly asking you to get in a small group, a connect group is what we call them here, where you can build relationships with people so we can help each other. I might have a weakness in one area that you're strong in. You might be weak in an area that I'm strong in. So I can help you and you can help me. We can stand back to back. I got your back. You got mine. How are you going to do that alone? You're not. I'm not. And we need each other. We need companionship. Point B, we also need accountability. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that if we set our minds on something that it doesn't help to have people hold us accountable to follow through. We all know that's true. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So, uh, Proverbs 27, 17, Psalm 141 here. Let the godly strike me. It'll be a kindness. If they correct me, it's soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. Mm. Confess your sins to each other, James 5, 16, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. When Alan's talking about an accountability partner, we all need those. You do, I do. Why would we not want that if we're trying to get victory? Why would we not want somebody to pray with us? And why would we not want somebody we could be open and honest with and confess our sins to? Because sometimes, and especially here uh, where we live in Alabama, 
there is a real reluctance to confess sin. And somehow we think the church is a place where everybody must be doing it right. And if I have any secret issues or any hidden habits or things that I'm ashamed of, if I have any addictions or things, church is the last place I'd ever talk about it because that's shameful. And so I can never talk about it. Everybody else says victory. I'm the only one. And this is one reason why a lot of people don't want to come to church because they go, I'm going to feel judged there. I'm going to feel condemned. I don't fit in. I remember I experienced this so clearly. went to California a few years ago. There's a church, Saddleback Church, Rick Warren, The Purpose Driven Life, his church. He wrote that book, um, bestseller and all this, but he runs his church. Well, they have a program there they started to help people overcome hurts, hang-ups, and sinful habits called Celebrate Recovery. And so um, we've tried that here um, in the past, and we may soon be ready to try that again. We've tried it at different times. But one of the biggest problems we've had with it here is that in the South, people are reluctant to confess their sins and admit they struggle with anything. I mean, it's just the way it is. I remember I went out to California and they'd gone through a seminar and they said, now we're going to show you how it works. And they assigned everybody in the seminar to a small group. And I was, so I was with a bunch of people from their church that live in California and they went around the group and they started talking about the things that they struggled with. And one guy had a um, medication issue. Another person struggled, had struggled with pornography and was getting victory. Another person had issues with alcohol. Some person had rage and all these things. And they went around and they all just confessed these things. And then it got to me and I went, oh, um, we don't do this in Alabama. (laughs) And they go, you don't do this. Well, what good is church? If you can't go and admit they're all a bunch of sinners who need Jesus, if you can't tell the brothers and sisters in Christ who also are sinners, who can you tell? I'm letting that silence hang there for a while. I'm not alone. Everybody in the sound of my voice tends to think that way more often than we care to admit. We all know we're a bunch of sinners who need saving. Well, then why don't we talk about it? And by the way, this goes with the note, too. Let me throw this in here. John must be ready to help. Say somebody comes to you and they want to confess things. Are you willing to listen? Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, um, overeating, overworking, gambling addictions, pornography, whatever it is, If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. And so they had this whole program set up there in California and in California, and they were willing to tell tell it like it is. And people were finding relief and forgiveness and victory one right after the other. And so many of us, the reason we're trapped is we never tell anybody our problems. Never even confess it to God. And if you go back under the bottom there and that inside where it says surrender, write two words down at the bottom here. The opposite of surrender is stubbornness. And the opposite of surrender is pride. I'm not telling anybody my business. What's it your business? I don't need help. I can do it on my own. Well, how bad does it have to get before then you do deal with it on your own? 
My friends, God does not want us to live lives in stubbornness and pride and defeat. We need each other. The good news is God has given us his word. And if you don't, you say, well, I don't understand his word. But that's the idea of companionship. That's the idea of a connect group. That's the idea of having people you can confess things to and study things with. He's given us his word to guide us. He's given us his Holy Spirit to empower us inside us. And he's given us brothers and sisters all around us. Why would we go through life stubbornly trying to do this on our own when we don't know everything, can't do everything, and need the help of others? This series of Overcomer, if I could ever, I could have just said what a pastor would want everybody to know. That's what this series is about. Jesus loves us. There's power available, but we must bring our problems to him. And we must let others help too. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just, I pray that you will convince us of this. Lord, it was so convicting to go out to that church in California and have people sit and go, well, what do you guys do there if you don't confess your sins and help each other? I mean, how does that work? And it doesn't. It doesn't work well if I don't have anybody praying for me, if I don't get good counsel. Lord, I don't want us to live defeated, crushed lives. I want you to help us sing songs of victory. I want you to guide me along the best pathway for my life. I don't want to be like a stubborn horse or a mule. I don't want to live with all my strength sapped like the summer heat. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my stubbornness and pride. God, please help me overcome my addictions and sinful habits. If there is a sinful habit that you are very aware of, people have even confronted you about, but you haven't dealt with yet, you say, God, I heard you today. Please help me overcome this. I need your help. I confess this is wrong, and it controls me. God, would you show me others who could help me? I need their help too. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Give us songs of victory, Lord. In the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.